0: you've got a hand as we sit down. Amen. God is awesome. Well, good morning. Good to see you. Welcome home. We are so glad you are here today. We want to welcome you. We want to welcome those that are listening online. Thank you for coming and joining us online. Thank you for being here today. As Adam mentioned, we are starting a new series today called worship more than a song. And with that, we thought it'd be kind of cool to, to move around our order of service to kind of have an uninterrupted time of worship through message and through, uh, through the time of worship with song. And so we're going to do that today. Um, we're talking today about something that we don't normally Talk about a ton. In fact, I don't remember us doing a series that we're getting ready to do, uh, in recent memory. Uh, but we're gonna start a series called Worship is More Than a Song. Can you say that with me? Worship is more than a song. And that's the truth. Worship is more than a song. Sometimes when you think of the word worship, we think of music. And the reality is, is that music along with other things are expressions of worship. But the truth of the matter is, worship is a lifestyle of putting Jesus first above everyone and everything. Worship is a lifestyle. Say that with me. Worship is a lifestyle. And we're going to be learning about that over the next few weeks. Worship is a lifestyle of putting God first above everyone and above everything. When you study the word worship, it's talking about having an attitude of reverence. Because the truth is, when we worship something, it has the highest value possible in our lives. It's the top of the list. And so, just you know, different examples of worship. Worship is saying, God, whatever you want, it's what I want. God, wherever you want me to go, it's where I want to go. God whatever you want me to do it's what i want you it's what i want you to do in me and so this morning i was thinking about that because back in late august we cast a vision to plant a church in columbus that wasn't necessarily what we wanted but it's what god wanted and so we want to do what god wants us to do and so we said god we want you first in our church and we want you first in the vision so we're planting a church in Columbus in February. At the same time that us as a church was saying, God, we want you first in our life and accomplish what you want to do. There was a, a family that was praying the same thing, feeling just a little bit of an uneasiness about maybe what's next in their life, sensing that God is trying to do something new. And, and so they began to pray and they prayed the same thing. God, whatever you want out of reverence to you, Right? Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, which means I submit to you and you submit to me, not because we always feel like it, not always because we deserve it, but out of reverence for Christ. You ever said to someone or your kids, just be nice because I told you to? Right? That's what we're called to do. And so not only was the church doing that, but our new campus pastors uh, at Connecting Point in Columbus, Kansas, were doing the same thing. And they are here this morning for the first time. Let's give them a hand. It is awesome. So church, this is Sean and Brooke Elwood and their beautiful kids, three of them, are in the uh, children's... Area and the last one's due in February, right? And so uh, we're just so glad to have them, and uh, we just wanted to give you an opportunity to meet them and for them to express anything they'd like to say this morning. Yeah, and with the kid thing, three boys, and I finally got my little girl on the way. So awesome! That's praise awesome. Praise God to that. I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, we're we're just so excited. We're excited because just as you guys have been anticipating this, uh, we have been too, and our life has been. Flip turned upside down. And um, we're here, though. We are in Columbus. We're in the house. We kind of have a maze of boxes that we're trying to live through. Sometimes we have to call each other to find each other. But anyway, we're working through that. So um, just pray for us. Uh, But we're excited. We're excited that we're here. We're excited to see what God is doing here in the Pitnaz family and what God has in store for Columbus. Amen.
1: Yeah. So I'm a little jacked up because this is our second service and, uh, we're not used to that. Um, so I just, I want to, um, echo everything Pastor Sean said. I'm super excited and also how cool it is to, I mean, this is a marathon. We're on second service. There's three and I just, I, am not going to preach because we don't have time for that, but, um, I just want to kind of speak over. I, I just see a vision for Columbus and we're going to start out however we start out, but how cool would it be to go two services? Amen. I mean, or three services, or whatever God sees fit. Amen. That is our plan. People keep asking me, what's your plan? What's your plan? It is God's plan. Amen. And we will just say yes. And I Amen. want to thank you guys, everyone that has been so hospitable to us. From my mama's heart, it's been so wonderful. And we just appreciate you guys so much. And Amen. if we didn't meet you before service, we'll be out in the lobby before the next service. Amen. So Amen. we'll be glad to meet you. Thank you, guys. Let's give
0: them a hand. You already love them, don't you? That's awesome. Yeah, that's what we're talking about today is just having an attitude that says we will go where you want us to go and we will do what you want us to do. And we want that for our, for our church and we want that for our lives. That's what Jesus designed us to do. We were created to worship him. We were created to put him first. And the reality is this morning that many people don't put God first. But the one thing we have in common, whether we put God first Or someone, or someone, something else first. We all are worshiping something. You ever thought about that? We are worshipers by nature. We by nature worship someone or something. When we worship someone or something, we are giving them the highest value possible. Um, there's a familiar story for some of us in John chapter four, and it's talking about the woman at the well. If you're not familiar with this story, or if you are, it's a reminder for you today. This story really is about worship. Jesus is in the Samaria, is in Samaria, which is a town that Jews didn't really travel in, into. They, they didn't get along. God chose to make his race through the Jews at that time. And as a result of that, um, basically the Samaritans, well, you know, jaded and didn't feel apart. And so there was this tension between them. And so they tried to avoid each other. And Jesus came and he began to say, it's not about Jews. It's not about Samaritans. It's about what I'm getting ready to do. And he sits down by this well that's on his ancestors land, Jacob, who used to own that land. And, and the bottom line is, is in this story, Jesus sits down and he's thirsty. They've been walking a while and the disciples have left to go get food. And this woman comes up to get water. Now, what's interesting about this story is a lot of times they would get water um, in the morning early or late at night. Football practices sometimes will be early in the morning in July because it's hot. Or in the evening. It's not in the afternoon. It's the same thing for this woman drawing the water. She didn't, you know, you don't, you don't want to go in the morning or you don't want to go in the afternoon because it's hot. But yet she's at the well at noon. But the reality is she's there at noon because she had been with five different husbands and living with somebody else and wasn't making good decisions, and everybody knew her, right? So she's getting water at a different time than everybody else because she wants to avoid having an awkward conversation. So she's at the well, and Jesus is at the well. And what we have is the longest recorded conversation between Jesus and anybody else in the Bible, And this conversation goes on and on, but really what this conversation is about is worship. Jesus says to her, can you give me a drink? He didn't have a bucket to get the water out of the bottom of the well. She looks at him and says, well, why are you talking to me? I'm a woman. And on top of that, I'm a Samaritan and we shouldn't be talking to each other. And Jesus says, if you knew what I could do for you, you'd be asking me for a drink. He begins to explain, you're looking for for this water, but I can give you water that you'll never thirst again. This lady thinks he's actually talking about tangible, physical water, and she says, sir, give me this water. Jesus realizes that she's not understanding that he's talking about a spiritual water, a living water that bubbles up inside of you through relationship with Jesus Christ. And he begins to draw her back to the real reason that they're there talking, and the real reason that he engages her. And he, he says to her, go get your husband. Now He knows that's going to create tension because she didn't have a husband. And she says as much. She says, I'm not, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the one that you're living with now is not your husband. And she looks at him like, how do you know that? And she changes the subject. You ever been talking to your kids, clean your room, do something, and then they ask you just a question that has nothing to do with anything, trying to get your mind off of it? How was your test at school, buddy? Hey, what do you think? think the Chiefs are going to win this weekend? Let's, get, let's redirect that. And that's what happens here. This woman... Worried that he's getting too close to home, knows too much. She says, hey, listen, there's this discussion about worship taking place. You know, Samaritans, they worship on this mountain here, but you guys worship in Jerusalem. Where are you really supposed to worship, essentially? You can read about it in John 4 if you want to know more of the details. And Jesus is, again, like, you're not getting this. Worship is not about a location, Worship is, a, is about an attitude, and he goes on to say, the time is coming, and it's indeed here now, meaning he's here now, where true worshipers, say that with me, true worshipers will worship the Father, this is the whole message today, in spirit and in truth. This woman's trying to get him to talk about where you worship and all this stuff. And, and Jesus is like, no, no, no. no. Time is coming when we will worship in spirit and in truth. The time is coming when we will worship in spirit and in truth. And then he says, the Father is not looking for people who are worship on this mountain or in this temple in Jerusalem. The Father is looking for people who will worship in spirit and in truth. In spirit and And in truth. You see, for God is spirit. Now he's talking calculus to her and she understands general math. For God is spirit and and for those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So those who worship him, finish it with me, must worship in spirit. So what she was explaining He was explaining to her that day, and what he's explaining to us today is the true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. When you study the word in the Greek for in spirit, it's talking about a heart that is fully engaged. Jesus explains this to her because because of her sexual sin, because she's living with someone she's not married to. On top of that, she's had husband after husband after husband. She cannot fully worship God, Jesus, with her heart because the reality is her heart is divided between these guys and these other things in her life that she's put ahead of God and also going to the mountain for the Samaritans and worshiping. And he says to her, worship in spirit, meaning that your heart needs to be fully engaged. And then... In truth, meaning that your mind is properly informed. She's lacking in both areas to truly worship God. Her heart is full of sin, and her mind thinks that worshiping is about a location, a temple, or a mountain, instead of realizing that Jesus is coming. So that doesn't matter where you worship it's the attitude of and the reverence. To give you a practical example of what this means, spirit without truth leads to shallow, overly emotional experience that could be compared to a high. This is teen camp. Kids sign up to go to camp, and they go, but they don't have a knowledge. They're not consuming this. They don't have a knowledge And they go and they give their heart to Jesus and they say yes. And then they come home and you split the sea so I could walk right through it. It's not happening. There's no music happening. There's no camp. There's no drummer from camp. There's no guy over there slaying the guitar. And they go home and they don't have the word hitting in their heart. And their experience, it was real. I mean, they said yes to Jesus, but, but there's no mind included there. There's no truth. There's no knowledge. And what happens is it, it's shallow and it drifts away. It's all emotion. And so as soon as the emotion leaves, the fervor cools and so does worship. Don't miss this. What I just said is huge. Don't, don't, don't check out on me here. This is huge. Jesus said We have to have a heart that's fully engaged. And having a heart that's engaged, but a mind that's not properly informed, leads to shallow faith. And as soon as something doesn't go right, as soon as they get offended or something doesn't, you know, happens in their life, they're done. Conversely, Jesus is basically saying, and this theologian says, truth without spirit, this is the person who went to camp and got saved and they are dry and they have not had any new encounters with Jesus and they know a bunch of stuff. They might be on a church board. They might teach a Sunday school class, but they have never experienced God in a long, long time here. And it leads to legalism. Spirit without the mind leads to shallow mind without the heart fully engaged leads to legalism the pharisees had it here but they didn't have it here and some of us may have it here but we don't have the knowledge of the word of god in our hearts so worship jesus says is a mind that's properly informed and a heart that's fully engaged so how do we do that This is a different message today. This is good, though. How do we do that? How do we have a mind that stays informed and a heart that's fully engaged? I'm going to give you three practical things, ridiculously practical, that if we were to do these things, it would help us to realize that worship is more than a song. First is, Consistently spend more time consuming God's word than you do Instagram. Facebook, for us older people. Snapchat, Twitter. Some of us don't like to do social media. Reading the paper, watching your political channel of choice. We don't just read the Word. We consume it the same way that we consume 15 times a day what's going on in someone else's life. What if, instead of what's going on in someone else's life, you wondered what God wanted to do with your life? What if those times you're in the restroom or those times you're in the doctor's office or those times when you got some downtime, instead of your favorite app being Instagram, Facebook or something else, it was the Uversion Bible app or some other Bible app and you were getting in God's word instead of scrolling through and seeing what someone you barely know is doing? What if instead of Facebook stalking, we were, we were seeking what God wants us to be? We're out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. A heart that is fully engaged. How do we keep our minds properly informed and our hearts fully engaged? Spend time with God talking openly and listening quietly daily. Spend time with God daily, talking openly. And let's finish it together. And listening There's all these fad diets out there. I'm not the one to talk about them, but I hear about them. And they come up with all these things. Take this pill, do this, do that. You want to know what it comes down to? Burn more calories than you consume. And eat under however many calories. That's what it comes down to. None of us want to hear it. I'm at the top of the list. But honestly, that's what it comes down to. And none of us want to sit here and basically have pastors say, read your Bible and talk with God. But that's what it comes down to, to worship the Lord. It has to be more important than your Facebook feed or your Instagram feed or or Fox News or CNN or the paper or all the things that consume all of our lives. They distract us from our heart being fully engaged. We're divided. The rich young ruler, he wasn't against God. But when when God looked at him and said, hey, sell everything you have and follow me, he walked away sad because he wasn't willing to do what it cost him to do. He didn't worship Jesus. He wasn't a true worshiper. He worshipped his stuff. Finally, how do we keep our minds properly informed and our hearts fully engaged? Last one. Put worshiping with the family of God at the top of your list instead of attending when there's extra time on your list. These create tension for us. But the reality is this morning that Jesus is saying to this woman, it's not about the water and the living water. Versus the, here's the deal you don't worship me, you're sleeping around, and, and you have poor thinking. You think that, that I'm a certain way and that's not me. You don't have to go to a temple. I'm getting ready to die so you can take me anywhere. You can worship me in your car. You can worship me in your house. You can worship me at the church. You can worship me and forgive when someone else you know, has wronged you. You don't have properly informed thinking and your heart is divided with sin. You are not a true worshiper, but there's good news. You can be. She's like, whoa, and she goes back and she tells all these people. Jesus sticks around a few days and people get saved. Folks, today, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't tell you that worship is a mind that's properly informed and a heart that's fully engaged. It's not just music. But I will tell you this. I will tell you this. When we consume this, And when there is no offensive way in me, it's going to affect this. But when we don't have a heart that's changed and we don't have a mind that changed, that music is too loud or too soft. Why are they raising their hand or why are they just... What? I split the sea so I could walk right through it. Are we going to do that in heaven? Nope. Consume God's word, not social media. Hey, listen, I got social media. Not against social media. I understand sometimes we have to miss. We have things. The average person who goes to church all the time misses 12 Sundays a year. But I will tell you this, if we grow up, if we raise our kids, that other things are more important than worshiping God, every generation is generation is gets more and more diluted there is understand be properly informed today let me just say this be properly informed there is power in the gathering together of the family of god whether you act like you need him or not, or someone acts like they don't need you, the body of believers, when they're living together and they're loving the way they're supposed to, not some of the churches maybe that you've been through in the past 15 years ago or whatever, or, or some bad ex- church experience that you've had where it doesn't feel that way. The way Jesus set up the body of Christ is we love each other. We're together. We're sharpening each other. Your mama's sick. Your dad is sick. Someone in your life is not doing what they're supposed to. And the family of God comes around you and doesn't stare at you funny, but they love on you and they say you're going to be okay and then somebody else has something happen to them and and you experience the grace so now you're giving grace. There's power and when we don't come together on a regular basis, that impacts. There's power in the prayer closet when we're by ourselves praying, but there's also power in being together as the family of God. And if we consume God's word, we understand that. What we experienced this morning, God's presence, there's things we can do together as the family of God that we can't do by ourselves. But we also can't depend on the corporate to replace the intimate with us and God. See, worship is our response to the fact that God is worthy because He died on a cross for our sins. He's worthy because he paid a bill that you can't pay and I can't pay. He's worthy because he said, you're never going to be patient enough. You're never going to be faithful enough. You're never going to be able to be all the things that you're supposed to be all the time. And we're starting to see a pattern. Israel couldn't do it. And and David, who's a man after his own heart, he couldn't do it. I mean, all these people throughout history who were good people, they kept falling short over and over and over. And God says, I have to do it myself because I don't want to lose them. Son, you're going. All right, Dad. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says, not my will. Jesus says, not my will, because I'll be honest, Dad, I'm for what you want, and I'm going to be obedient. But the truth of the matter is this morning, I'd rather not climb up on that cross, but not my will, your will. So if you're okay with the cup being taken from me, I'm okay with that but whatever you want. And God is like, nothing's changed. Jesus was literally sweating blood. But he was obedient. You can feel however you want Jesus in that statement. I love that statement because he's saying I'm human, but I'll do it. And he's nailed to a cross and because he's su- consuming God's word and God's spirit is in him, and he's a true worshipper, his he's properly informed, and his heart is fully engaged. And because of that, when these people are spitting at him and hurling insults at him and whipping whipping him, he's sitting there instead of saying, "You know what? You can no." He says, "God, forgive them." for they don't know what they do. Who says that? Someone whose mind's properly informed and heart, his heart is fully engaged. He doesn't have some sin in his life that's keeping him from fully giving it all to God and he doesn't have worldly thinking in his mind that's, that's confused what he's saying. He knows who he is and the mission that God's called him to and he says, I get it. Father, forgive them. Forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And at some point he says, it is finished. And they put him in the tomb. And three days later, he raises to life. He appears to the disciples over a period of 40 days. And he ascends into heaven. And before he leaves, he says, go. And do likewise and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I will be with you. And what I have done, you will even do more because I'm sending a, the Holy Spirit. But you need to wait on the Holy Spirit. And at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes and they're filled. And now they understand what in spirit means. We can have the Holy Spirit in us because of what Jesus has done. And we can have love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And Jesus knew that and he looks at the woman at the well and says, It's not about the mountain. It's not about the temple. Worship is about that I'm getting ready to make make you worthy. Today, worship is a response to the worthiness of God. This morning, we have the opportunity to to take communion together. And my prayer has been that in every service, there would be somebody who maybe doesn't feel worthy or who maybe as, as I'm talking and fumbling through this, the Holy Spirit is talking to you that your heart is divided and and maybe you're not fully engaged or or your mind's not properly informed because there's dust on the top of your bible or or you don't even have the app downloaded on your phone or you got it downloaded on your phone but you don't ever look at it maybe today god's saying hey during this 21 days of prayer why don't you make the bible app the most frequented app instead of instagram or facebook or something else And what'll happen is, I'm telling you this, what'll happen is, is if you marry that knowledge with spending time with God and confess what's gonna take place, you're heightened, your senses will be heightened and you'll begin to see and scales will be fall from your eyes and you'll see things that you wouldn't normally see. Jesus says, true worshipers, worship in spirit and in truth. This morning, Jesus died his body was broken which is the bread his blood was shed which is the juice that we take And this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed if God's been speaking to you about something today that you sense you're divided talk with him about it if you'd like to make him first in your life instead of on the list you can simply pray Lord Jesus I know that I'm a sinner I know that I've messed up but I invite you into my heart right now I ask you to forgive me of my sin I ask you to cleanse me from all unrighteousness Father if there's somebody here today that's not properly informed because maybe they're not in the word pray Lord they'd make a commitment today to begin to to read your word to hide it in your heart. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it and he broke it. And he broke it into pieces and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people an agreement Confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So as we stand together this morning, we have an opportunity, Lord, to, to worship today. To worship him through taking the symbols of what Jesus did for us. We have an opportunity today after communion, folks. I don't know if you've read through some of these prayer cards, but there are some heavy needs on these cards. And I hope we, as we, true worshipers, feel a need to pray for some of these cards. Some of these cards will break your heart, they need prayer. We have names of people on these boards, on either side of people that are asking us to pray for some prodigals that need to come home. So, for the next two songs, we're going to not just hear worship as a sermon. We're going to practice it. You can come take communion. Come pray for these prodigals. Pick out one name on the board and pray for it. Pray for these cards and make your way back to your seat and just worship him. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. We love you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Hey, let's stand together. Worship is a mind that's properly informed and a heart that is fully engaged. Amen? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. Have a blessed Sunday.